Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear, that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Jesus Unmasked, our weekly Bible study live here on the Raven Foundation Facebook page and the Clackamas United Church of Christ Facebook page. And uh, hey, we're also on iTunes and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, uh, you can listen to us there. So uh, welcome everyone. And uh, we have a very special passage today, Lindsay which is difficult it's it's a difficult passage so lindsay i am so excited that you are here to explain it to everyone (laughs) i'm glad to be working with you to explain it to everyone like that setup that was a pretty good setup wasn't it yeah yeah i'm not gonna let you get away with putting it all on me (laughs) okay Um, all right fair enough fair enough so uh how are things going i'll tell you how things are going in my house hey holly good to see you Uh, yesterday I got a call from my daughter's school saying that she was within three feet of another student who was infected with COVID. And so she had to go home. So, uh, that was a bummer. But then this morning I got a call from them and they said, oh, we took out the measuring tape and (laughs) discovered that the other student was more than three feet from her. So she's okay. She can come back to school now. So today she's back at school. So it's the ever unfolding drama of covid and the delta variant good times yeah yeah we're starting to realize that we're going to get calls home more and more frequently as the weather gets cooler and there will always be some kind of exposure risk and we are doing what we can to cope with that to deal with that and yeah. Here we go. This is this is it. This is this is what life is going to be like. So you just roll with it. Do the best you can. And relax uh, if you can. I yes. mean, that's that's important. Uh, children in these schools cannot. Not all of the children can be vaccinated. I have one who is old enough, but one who is not. And um, and especially the one who is not, I worry about her, and I hope that everyone who can help you know we should all help to keep each other safe yeah my daughter cannot get vaccinated yet but hopefully that's coming up soon so there you go and uh so friends welcome uh to this episode of jesus unmasked if you are just joining us uh we are going to read this really fun passage from mark chapter 9 and uh lindsay has the honor of reading it this week so that's yeah by fun we mean scary and take a deep breath is always good advice thank you holly yes take a deep breath before we dive into this one uh so uh friends as uh lindsay reads this passage if you have comments or questions that you would like uh 
to ask uh, or bring up, uh, feel free to do that in the comment section and we will bring that in. So this is, Jesus is more than halfway through his ministry here in Mark. We're half more than halfway through the gospel of Mark. And Jesus is laying down some, uh, some teachings. This, interestingly, we get similar teachings in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that's where that is. In this in Mark, uh, he's not up on a mountain, but he's just kind of delivering some teachings about how to live into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus knows he's on his way to the cross, and he wants to give his disciples some pretty intense teachings on how to live with one another uh, when he's gone. Uh, and so here we go, Lindsay, whenever you are ready, uh, feel free to um, read the passage. I'll, I'll just get into it. This is Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 50. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any one of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better to have two hands, it is better than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. All right. Hey, Star. Good to see you. And uh, Jessica, another, um, another, I love a good deep breath. Those are good. And I need to take a deep breath after this passage. It's very intense. And where do you want to, where do you think we should start with this, Lindsay? I, I, um, well, I'll just start by saying I find it hilarious that Jesus is saying, cut off your limbs so you don't go to hell one minute and be at peace with each other the next. I, I find that kind of funny. Um, but um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in here. So maybe we should just take it piece by piece from the beginning. Um, actually, I do find the beginning very comforting or in a way comforting. Um, when Jesus says, whoever is not against us is for us, because we hear the reverse of that all the time, don't we? Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, it's just been 20 years since 9-11, and I keep thinking of, you know, that was when we ratcheted up the, if you're not with us, you're with the terrorists uh, rhetoric. And um, that, it's possible to be um, for the good of everyone and not be against anyone and not necessarily be with all of the decisions of someone who's saying, if you're not with us, you're against us. So um, the disciples were scandalized by others doing exactly what they were doing, just not in the exact same way or, and that's, it's, it just strikes me as so typically human um, to, to cut ourselves off from the goal we want just because, you know, if the goal we want is to cast out demons, but we get into little fights with each other about not doing it the right way, how diminished we are, but it's so human to be scandalized by these little differences and by not doing things exactly the same way. And um, it, it strikes me how silly, but how common that is and how I could get up caught up in it too. So, Well, you remember it was just last week that the di disciples were arguing amongst themselves about which one of them was the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> and here they are doing essentially the same thing, trying to divide the world into us against them. And what is their problem? Uh, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us right? So they're putting themselves at the center of this. They're not putting Jesus at the center of this. They're putting themselves there. Uh, we are the ones who get to decide who is in and who is out. And this, as you say, is just part of the human condition. And Christians have been doing this to one another almost from the beginning. <laughs> We've had all of these splits, uh, and Protestants are probably the unfortunately, the best ones at this. We've had so many splits where we define ourselves over and against uh, others in a easy, very easy way. And Jesus here is saying, can't you see that there are people doing good things in the world? Can't you see the good things that those that you label as other are doing in the world? And so I think Jesus, as he frequently does, is trying to expand our vision to see the good that other folks are doing. And you know, Jesus here says, uh, do not stop him um, because he's doing this in my name. But I think that that can make us, even that statement could make us uh, small, right? It's only if you're doing this in the name of Jesus that it matters. I see this all the time from Christians. No, you're missing the point. Like, notice the good that even people who are not even people who are atheists are doing in the world, right? I mean, whether they're, you're doing good in the world through the name of Jesus or Muhammad or Moses or whomever, who cares? Just do good in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's always so the disciples here are in a grasp for truth, for power for being able to decide who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And whenever you grasp for that, you've missed the point.
They're grasping for a sense of identity of goodness by taking it away from someone else. That's the trap that Jesus is trying to save us from. Yeah. If you're doing good in the name of love, yeah, Holly says we don't have to settle for a puny God. That's right. God is so much bigger. Um, and Jessica says, I feel like when he comments that those acting in his name can't speak against him shows when our actions are loving, our speech energy will naturally be in alignment. Exactly. That's such a beautiful way of putting it. Um, that is, when our actions are loving, love doesn't care what we call love when our actions are loving. You know, love doesn't get caught up in those petty squabbles about who's better than who. And, you know, love doesn't say, did you pronounce my name correctly? Because, because all pronunciations, you know, said in love are all, all the different, you say something lovingly, love has, has infinite names, love has infinite um, expressions. So, yeah, love doesn't get caught up in, in what it's called. And, yeah. yeah, and uh, as that passage continues, it's interesting because Jesus says, For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. Uh, it's interesting because I think other Gospels, I forget which one, says, if you give a cup of water to someone, then you get a reward. Um, so it kind of reverses the saying, but the point is like for us, it's just a cup of water, right? Um, a cup of water doesn't seem like a big deal to us, especially when you can just go to the kitchen and run your tap water. Uh, but in the ancient world, uh, especially where you don't get a whole lot of rainfall, a cup of water can be a big deal. Um, but here it's like, it's almost like at the same time, it's like you're just giving someone a cup of water. And isn't that an amazing thing? Like it's through the seemingly small things where you enact the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't have to be something massive. We often think, oh, I got to do something really big to earn God's favor. What if it's just sharing a cup of water with someone? What if it's just like saying hello or giving someone a smile? What if you don't have to do the miraculous thing? Because the miraculous thing is in the everyday normal smile that you might give to someone. Something as small as a cup of water. Exactly. I mean, you take a long time to think through the big things. And even if you genuinely want to help, there's usually some degree of I'm going to do this and that's going to make me secure or glorified or famous. And it's in the small actions that we do that we're not even thinking about it because we've, we have been living, you know, we don't even have to think about them because we're already living in such a way that um, they just come naturally. And those little things, you know, will add up to this, to our lives. Um, 
and they're, you know, it does become just second nature to live generously, live kindly, live compassionately. Yeah. Um, I guess we got to get into the harder stuff now, though. Okay, let's do that. Um, so if any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Adam, you take that one. Okay, so here's, here's my first comment about this. Who is the one who puts the millstone around your neck and throws you into the sea? That's a trick question because it doesn't say. It does not say. I, my mind is always, whenever it comes to these passages, my mind always fills in the actor as God. God is the one who is going to put a millstone around your neck and throw you into the sea as punishment for what you've done. But it doesn't say that. In fact, it says, it, it puts this in the passive voice. Uh, my Bible study last night on Zoom was noticing this. It puts it in the passive voice. And uh, Heather was saying, I think it was Heather, was saying, uh, that's because it doesn't matter who the actor is. The actor is probably you. The actor is probably the one who puts this stumbling block in front of someone else because you're racked with feelings of guilt. And so this is a um, this what would you call it a metaphor? This is this is Jesus saying, hey, if you're going to get in the way of someone understanding who God is, understanding, as you say, Lindsay, uh, God as love in the world, if you're going to block someone from understanding that, then you're going to be racked with guilt if you're put a stumbling block in the way of that you're going to experience and the disciples experience this guilt as they move throughout the story peter is the one who denies jesus three times right mm -hmm. and he is racked with guilt i imagine peter would have felt man it would have been better for me to have had a millstone around my neck and thrown into the sea than for me to have abandoned and betrayed Jesus, who was vulnerable, like a little one. Mm -hmm. And so Peter has to go through and move through those feelings of guilt in order. And he comes out through the other side because he knows that God, who is love, hasn't abandoned him. Mm -hmm. It's not God who puts a millstone around his neck and throws him into the sea. It's God who moves through Peter wanting to do that to himself so that he knows that there is life on the other side of this immense guilt that he feels. All right, well done. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and when we give someone the wrong idea about God, I mean, it can only come from, from us having a wrong idea too. If we If we make someone feel that God is judgmental, condemning um your good actions didn't count because you didn't believe the right doctrine and you know then we have this image of a tormenting god and that is going to get the world caught up in in the fires of judgment in the in the throes of judgment which just leads to violence 
and well, anger and fear and violence and chaos. And, and that's why, that's why Jesus says, you know, if you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones, it's better for you to be thrown into the sea because that's better than the ongoing guilt and the cycles of violence that come from, um, that come from living judgmentally. From having, uh, from from perceiving God judgmentally, and then acting it out upon each other, um, it, it it doesn't lead to anywhere good. It it leads to pain. It leads to it leads to anger, and it leads to frustration and and violence. And we can get more into that in the next yeah, and and the i think one of the reasons that jesus is putting this forth is because there's something universal about this mm -hmm. there's something universal about the story of peter who's going to go through this to some degree we've all been there and to some degree we've all experienced uh the other side of this too of somebody being a stumbling block towards us uh in understanding this to some to one degree or another and neither one of those experiences has to define who we are there's always a way to move beyond the stumbling block and so how many of us have had the stumbling block from religious authorities how many of us have been religious authorities who have put the stumbling block there right there's always a way beyond the stumbling block. And we're going to discover what that is, what that way is, as we continue to follow Jesus to the cross and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, George says, it seems as though the meaning of this passage may simply be that it is worse to sin than be sinned against. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, that subs it up pretty well. Um, you know, when, when Jesus says, cut off your hand, if it causes you to sin, cut off your eye. Um, yeah. And, and he also, he also says you can, you can go into heaven broken. Um, and that's, that's kind of amazing. It's like, you don't have to be, you don't have to be perfect. You know, the standard for getting there is not perfection. And so when we think about um, what we have to do to earn our way to heaven, when we think about it all about ourselves, you know, we might not want to, you know, the whole make yourself perfect, make yourself worthy. Um, you know, Jesus is saying, you can come in as you are, broken, but what you can't do is try to hurt someone along the way. Um, so. Uh, yeah, um, it's, it's uh, maybe the only way you get, the only way you get anywhere is through brokenness, it's just part of the human condition, maybe, or woundedness, uh, or whatever term we want to use, um, because 
a lot of folks will remind me that Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. And here we get it. Like Jesus says, uh, talks about hell three times uh, in this passage, except Jesus isn't talking about hell. <laughs> Not as we understand hell, because the word that is used here in the Greek is Gehenna. If you've got a Bible, you'll um, um, most Bibles will have a little letter. Mine happens to be D next to the word hell. And it says uh, in that footnote, Gehenna. Gehenna was a literal place, the Valley of Hinnom, where the ancient kings of Israel sacrificed their children by making them walk through fire uh, to the gods, uh, to other gods, in order to try to gain a blessing from those gods uh, when they go to war. That's what hell is like. And notice in the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, what does God not create? What is missing? from creation in Genesis chapter one. Hell. Well, anything bad. There's no mention of hell in Genesis in the creation yeah. story. Why is that? Because we create the hells here on earth. Mm -hmm. That's what Gehenna is. It's a human creation. Uh, there's some scholars who say that it, it ended up being the garbage dump outside of the city where Jesus refers to the worms that never die and the fire that never ends because they're always burning garbage there. Uh, and so that's the uh, metaphorical uh, eternal fires of hell right there. And what Jesus is warning about here when he talks about Gehenna is don't live your life like that. Don't burn one another up in, this, in your relationships of hell here on earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you look back to um, in the Old Testament, um, when it talks about the sacrifices, um, and I'm thinking probably Exodus or Leviticus, I'm not, um, but, but it does say you will bring an unblemished, you know, offer an unblemished lamb or an unblemished, you know, it says the words unblemished and it's very clear about that to sacrifice to God. It's like, you know, heaven wants something perfect is the idea. Um, but now Jesus is saying you can, and you can enter heaven. Um, you can enter heaven maimed. You can enter heaven broken. You can enter heaven hurt. Um, you don't like, if you spend the time trying to perfect yourself, you will not love others the way you need to. So he's, so I think there's like a message of don't hurt others and, you know, of, you know, be kind to others no matter what. So, yeah. Uh, Marilyn, I would love to hear more about your light bulb moment. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and uh, hi, Amber, good to see you. I think I think maybe it's also like Jesus here at the end of the passage says, for, for everyone will be salted with fire. Now, fire we associate with hell, and I think probably for good reason. But who is going to be salted with fire? Everyone. Everyone. None of us get out of this world without being salted by fire. 
we are all going to experience the fire in one way or another. That's some of us, um, we're all going to wound others and we're all going to be wounded by others. We're all going to have that experience when we don't live into the kindness, the love that Jesus is inviting us to live into. It's human and it doesn't have the last word. There's always more. We will all be salted with fire. And what does fire do? It's not just a, it's not primarily punishment. It's purification. Water or fire is an element that purifies whatever it comes in contact with. And so we're all going to go through the fire. We're all going to feel that, that burn, that wound. But at the other side of it is something better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at our core, we are made in the image of God. At our core, we are love made to love and love others and the fire can burn away all that we get caught up in that keeps us from loving one another and um you know the more we nurture love within us the 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 less baggage will have to be burned away so yeah yep yeah, amen to that. Uh, so Marilyn says, just the light bulb moment, just that there is no hell at creation. It's a, it's man-made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that when I realized that, I was like, light bulb moment too, Marilyn. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty awesome. Uh, Jessica says, it feels that Jesus is teaching we have the choice between living life or living hell. Jessica, I love that. Uh he gets this, Jesus gets this from Deuteronomy, uh, where it says, uh, I put before you life and death, choose life. That's essentially what Jesus is living out in his own life, is modeling for us how to choose life with one another, as opposed to, as you say, Jessica, the living hells that we can create with one another. And how do we move through that hell? that we create with one another too, in a way that that opens us up to seeing, uh, maybe there's a purification process in this that Amber is getting to in the next comment. Um, Amber, you, you beat me to the punch on hell or the fires of purification. So good, great connection there, Amber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah. And, and Xavier says, fire yields fertile soil to rebuild. Yes. Awesome. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marilyn, Marilyn says, and Marilyn, I've been this too. So I'm with you. Uh, I have, Marilyn says, I have been the fire and brimstone version of God so often. I think I just assumed and accepted hell as part of creation. Um, Yeah, Marilyn, I, you are not alone there. Uh, I have been the fire and brimstone version of God in the world as well. And there's more, there's more. (laughs) That's like the constant thing that I have to remind myself is that I am not the fire and brimstone um, that I have enacted in the past, that there's more. And none of us are are defined by the fire and brimstone that we have done in the past. There's always more. Jesus always comes back to Peter when Peter fails and says, 
yeah, let's try again. Let's do this again. So. And Adam, when you asked, how do we move through the hells that we create and put ourselves and put each other into, I think that was, I think that was Holly's first comment was take a deep breath. Um, yeah. It really does help. It really, really does um, take a deep breath because that's the Holy Spirit coming back, welcoming, welcoming the Holy Spirit back into us. Um, and, and just remember that we are loved and that we are made out of love, essentially, that there is more to us than what we have been and what we have done to each other. Um, and take it from there, really, really taking in a deep breath and, and just remembering ourselves, um, remembering who we truly are made in the image of God. That, that makes a world of difference. It really does. Uh, amen to that. Um, I am looking up. I know there's a there's a country singer who who says, uh, who is that that says, if you're going through hell, keep going. I don't remember. Anyway, it's I just Googled it. I, I remember. I, I know what you're referring to. But. It's apparently a Winston Churchill quote. So I don't quote Winston Churchill all that often. But uh, that's a good one. If you're going through hell, keep on going. And know that you are not the only one who is who is trotting through hell. In fact, Jesus went to hell when he went to the cross and went through it. And there's something on the other side. So thank you all for being here. Uh, yes, Holly Winston Churchill. There you go. <laughs> all right. Country uh, singer we were thinking of. But. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, thank you everybody for being here. And um, yeah, we will do it all again next week at Jesus Unmasked as we continue these kind of difficult sayings of, of Jesus that continue next week. So join us for more fun then. And as Holly says, be well, friends. And uh, you can listen to all Jesus Unmasked on our podcast on iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And so we will do it all again. Marilyn, thank you. Thank you for being here. It was good uh, good to hear your light bulb moment, which I identified with very much. So uh, thank you, everybody. And we will do it all again next week, uh, Wednesday at 11 Central, 9 a.m. Pacific. And until then, God be with you. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.